This is Sarah Ashley with Nerds on Film. If you enjoy listening to any of the podcasts on the Nerdonomy Network, you should go to our website, nerdonomy.com, and go to our merch page. You can even wear us. Although, frankly, we look better crumpled up on your floor. You're listening to Nerds on Film with Brian Moriarty, David McGuire, and Sarah Ashley. I got into Doctor Who because I did a show over the summer and there was a, a girl that was in it and we um, headed off as friends and we decided to like trade TV shows because I kept talking about Lost, she kept talking about Doctor Who. So she started to do that, I started to do that. But I, you know, I started with Eccleston and it was a. It took me a while to get into it. Like, and I'm still trying to work my way into it yeah. because I feel like it. And correct me if I'm wrong, you guys are, you know. Whovians. Whovians. I feel like Eccleston is it's, it's kind of boring. Like I don't like to please tell me. I think I've become a snob with certain TV shows because I feel like there needs to be an overall story arc throughout the season. So please tell me that there is, and I will continue to watch. Well, keep in mind, Eccleston brought Doctor Who back from a 13-year hiatus. Right. So Doctor Who had already all this amazingly well-established storyline and characters and aliens, all sorts of wonderful things that they could reference to go back to. And thus, Eccleston was like, I'm going to play the character the way I want to play the Doctor, and I'm going to do something new, and we're going to have some new aliens that are brought on in. And, you know, the first couple of episodes were a little bit hit and miss. You know, he's flirting with the tree girl. Okay, whatever. But at yeah. the same time, he played this kind of edgy, kind of cool Doctor Who. He had a leather jacket. It was different, and it was welcome. It was what it needed, and it needed that little breath of fresh air. And I'd say about halfway through, once they introduced the whole bad wolf concept, the whole Rose eventually being the... Spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't actually seen any of the Doctor Who Michael Eccleston's. Have you finished him? No. Oh, then I'm... Well, you're not going to ruin anything for me, trust me. Okay, I'm just going to say I still find joy in things that people tell me about. Okay. Rose has a really important kind of uh, climatic ending to the to the very last episode, right? Okay. And then it, and then it's really emotional and it's really deep and it's good. And it's the perfect introduction then for, for David Tennant. And I'd say Doctor Who has done it so well since its revival that every time the Doctor has transitioned and gone through his regeneration cycle, I've been like, no! I'm yeah. not going to accept a new Doctor. I'm not yeah. going to accept a new Doctor. And then I watch and I'm like, you know what? This is amazing. Although I, This is I, why I love Doctor Who. I still hold from what I have seen, David Tennant's still my favorite Doctor. But that's See, just because I want to do very, very dirty things to him. Okay. Wow. Getting in my TARDIS now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take you back in time, Doctor. I'll take you back in time. Um, I actually, what is that? Mean? It was so funny. <laughs> I'll let you enter my TARDIS from the rear. Like, I got a sign screwdriver for you. It doesn't even make sense. <laughs> that's kind of weird. That's him's come online to you. Would you like a jelly, baby? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you got to watch really so old doctors for that one. So um, a friend of mine showed me this picture. She's like, you're nerdy. You'd understand this. I don't get it. And uh, it was like one of those demotivational poster type things. Every geek girl's dream. And it was like David Tennant handcuffed to something. And I'm just like, yep. Totally right. There okay, it is. I can't relate with that, but <laughs> I will say that David Tennant was an excellent doctor. He was an excellent doctor. But honestly, Matt Smith, I think, is my favorite doctor since Tom Baker. And that was my doctor. Mm. That was the doctor that I grew up with. That was the doctor when I was a kid. I'd stay up late, and they would play one full Doctor Who serial from start to finish, right? So they'd usually be about four or five episodes long at that time, and be about an hour and a half, two hours, two and a half hours. And that's what I would do every Sunday night. Even though I had to wake up and go to school the next day, that would be kind of my tradition. It was Tom Baker who I was introduced to as the Doctor. And for anyone who's a Whovian out there who loves Doctor Who, if you haven't seen it already, there is this amazing seven and a half minute compilation video 
on YouTube of every single Would You Like a Jelly Baby scene that Tom Baker ever did in his seven years as a doctor. And it's fantastic. I need to see that. I Would you like a jelly that. baby? It's just so <laughs> amazing. So that's I like funny. it. That was a lot of Doctor Who that we just discovered. It was wonderful. For our listeners, welcome to Nerds on Film. I am Dave McGuire. I am Brian Moriarty. And I'm Sarah Ashley. And that voice that you hear is, yes, again, the one, the only, Eric Brickman. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you all. As again, I have hijacked this podcast, and uh, we'll be talking now for the next 45 minutes. <laughs> so this we, is just what happens when you show up early, right? We were going to have a guest tonight, but you know, Eric showed up early, so what the hell? We thought... I invited he, myself. I have a habit of doing that. We thought he could contribute to today's topic, but before we he has know, no dive right in, we got some what? business to take care of. We, we do have some business to take care of. There are some startling movie news. Shocking. Shocking, even. Dun, dun, dun. It was said this last week, that our near and dear idol, Kevin Smith, is planning on turning Clerks into a trilogy. A trilogy, you say? A trilogy! But more than anything, he said that his last movie is going to be Clerks 3. As so, a director. As a director. Yes, because he's still going to produce movies. Yeah. Through he his, just won't write them or direct, or direct them. them. And if he says he really feels that he'll write it and have someone else direct it, that's if it moves him. You're right. And he also said that Hit Somebody, which was supposed to be his last movie. It was, supposed, two, it was supposed to be yeah. a two-parter movie. Right, but that was supposed to be his last <clears throat> endeavor as a director yeah, and writer. Yeah, but now it's going to be a miniseries. Likely on AMC, but don't quote us yet. But yeah. likely. It's, yeah, it's very he, likely. He definitely has said that it's not official. on, and that He wants right. the, the network to make the announcement for them. But he is saying that, um, based actually on Jason Mewes, Jason Mewes made the suggestion to turn it into a miniseries, but it is going to be a miniseries about hockey um which we all know that kevin smith is a huge hockey fan and um myself, really? i thought their shirts were just like right yeah right. he just wears an oilers jersey for no reason um, a custom made oilers jersey custom made oilers jersey but you know myself being a hockey fan actually i'm super stoked kevin smith miniseries hockey i was sarah happy i used to play hockey as a kid and i stopped playing mostly because sean and i were going to be on the same team when i tried out because sean better. being your big brother yes of course Who's the editor of this podcast editor. yeah he and I were on the same skill level, even though he was two years older than me. So we were going to be on the same team. And knowing our relationship at that point, I was like, fuck that noise. So confessional, yay. Uh, but I, I I will say, though, that when I heard about Hit Somebody a couple years ago, I was super, super thrilled about it because I love Kevin Smith. He's going to tell this really heartwarming story about somebody coming up in the hockey world. And also, I, I love the Warren Zevon song, Hit Somebody. It's a mm-hmm. great song. I think it'll be... Just I've, yes to everything on that. I think it'll be really solid. I'm, I'm excited about it, so... Mm-hmm. But how do you guys feel about him doing Clerks as, like... The Clerks the, 3? The, that's, the, yeah, that's I'm optimistic, point. but as I've said in our episode on unnecessary sequels, there are certain films that work better as a duology that don't need a trilogy, and I think Clerks right now might be that case. Because mm-hmm. I think the way Clerks 2 ended was such a great way of closing that universe. Yeah. And I think this is more or less sentimental for him because he's bringing it home. You know, his first film was Clerks, now his last film is going to be but Clerks. But you know what? It's Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith, everything he touches, it's the Midas effect, right? It, everything turns to gold. I mean, he's fantastic. And I really loved the original Clerks. I loved Clerks 2. I, I thought it was I, fantastic. And I would like to see a Clerks 3, even if it's maybe not quite as gold as the previous ones. Maybe it's more silver electrium. I'm okay with that. <laughs> I can deal with that because I think that, uh, you know, maybe it has the, maybe it'll have a, you know, Return of the Jedi effect. There might be a couple of Ewoks in there somewhere, but yeah. it, it, I think will work. You know, I don't know how I feel about him doing Clerks 3. 
only because Clerks 2 for me was kind of a more outlandish version of Clerks, I guess. And I think I kind of appreciated more the the subtlety and, and the realism of the first one. Um, and I think the dance number, the gross out donkey show thing, like that stuff, I think kind of took it a little bit over the edge. But then again, knowing that that's Kevin Smith and he has a little bit more, he has at this point, a lot more confidence as a director, a lot more confidence as a writer. And a lot more money too. And a lot more money. So he can do what, you know, what he wants and he can afford to have a donkey. (laughs) He kind of tore the the bit a little bit in that that movie too, but it was okay because we didn't think he was going to do another one. Yeah. He didn't think he was going to do another one. But the thing that I really did appreciate about Clerks 2 was what Kevin Smith does best which is dialogue so yeah. um i think that that held really solid for me um the, the lord of the rings bit and um, yeah. the the thing about i could easily see the beginning of clerks 3 all in color and then it fades into monochrome and it does monochrome for the whole rest of the movie hmm. i could see it coming full circle that way Ooh, that'd be kind well, of cool. they fade into monochrome at the end of clerks 2 when they dolly out yeah. of the oh, quick stop that's true Quick me if I'm wrong, they ended Clerks 2 with them buying the Quick Stop. Yeah, right? they bought the Quick yeah. Stop because it had burned down in the beginning yeah. of the movie. Right, I remember that. So they bought it, they fixed it back up. Right. And that and nasty back. video. Okay. And yeah. Jane and Bob get their place back in front of the store. Yeah, because they loan them the money because remember oh, they, so have, they, like, they have the nest egg. Exactly. So where's Clerks where 3 going to take it? it? I, you, know, and I, you know, I don't really know. And that's the other thing because I know Kevin Smith is at a, at a point. In his life, where you know he's got it, he's got a daughter, he's got a wife, he's got a little, he's got a little dog. His daughter's fourteen now, or thirteen now. Thirteen. Yeah. Harley Quinn Smith. That's an awesome name, by the way. Fourteen. Thirteen. She's apparently in a in a rock band too. So I'll be really kind of interested to see where this goes. Um, Yeah. Did did Dante marry Rosario Dawson? I hope so. Yeah. And you know, they have a kid. I don't know. Who knows? He's he's definitely not unwise when it comes to film stories. He's fully aware of all the possibilities of what this could be in the negative sense of the word, and I think he's going to do everything he can to prevent that from happening. And this is how I felt about The Dark Knight Rises when we talked about it earlier in, the, you know, I think it's like podcast three or four, three, three. episode three. Yep. There are going to be people out there who will hate Clerks 3 just as much as they hated Dark Knight Rises because everyone wishes or has this preconceived notion about how that movie is going to end or how it should be or they, they're going to have their own opinion. You know, and really, the one thing that we can always hold true to Kevin Smith is that every single one of his films, with the exception of Cop Out, because he was just directing that one, all the ones that he's actually been, the, you know, that has penned those scripts, they all have a lot of heart. And they all have a message about where he is in his life. And one that really comes to mind is Chasing Amy. Like, that one really resonates with me. I mean, I love that movie yeah. because it's just so beautifully done. And it's just such a great turn in the love story and just... just Every little bit of it is just so good. And I think that with Clerks 3, we're going to get him kind of maybe getting his final send-off in a way that he feels more appropriate. I mean, I'm with Sarah. I'm kind of like, all right, well, you kind of did the send-off-ish with Clerks 2. So hopefully this send-off will be a little bit like maybe one of them will die. I mean, who knows? (gasps) I know. Or maybe they'll go to war with Walmart. Wouldn't that be awesome? Maybe. Okay, guys, I'm going to throw it out there. Maybe they're going to kill off Jane Silent Bob. <gasps> you shut your whore mouth! I was actually thinking the same thing. I'm just no! saying. Like, that's that would be a great way to send it off. Silent Bob is what if Silent definitively Bob is a... Kevin Smith. Like, What if Silent Bob kills Jay and then kills Dante and Randall? And, and then, then kills himself. And then kills himself. <laughs> wow, this just got really weird. But I would watch it. <laughs> be a really dark send off. Just be like, it's over. <laughs> Bang! <laughs> that's the one line he says throughout the whole movie. <laughs> 
Well, to be fair, Silent Bob did have an entire speech. He did have an entire monologue in, in Chasing which Amy. Which is one of my favorite speeches oh, no, of it's all time. Beautiful. It's beautiful. Beautiful. And I'm always chasing Amy. I get a little emotional just thinking about it. Like, that's such a yeah, great it's, speech. It's Are you going to be okay? Great. I'm good. Is this your stuffing? No, not my favorite. <laughs> it's my stuffing. Yeah. You know what my favorite... <laughs> <laughs> never going to live that down. Uh, never going to live. Never going to live. <laughs> that's right. David McGuire. Oh. No, they say my name. Okay, yeah. David McGuire. <laughs> Rick ruled the podcast. Did you forget that you say you're an actual well, name? No, I, I, for a second. <laughs> I'll even say your actual name, except for me. David Mahula over Redenbacher. <laughs> the popcorn guy? Mind you. I was about to say, David, of course you'd go for food. I mean, come on. Ow. That hurt. Oh, come on. 906. <laughs> <laughs> Roadhouse. Roadhouse. Uh, for me, my favorite part of that monologue is, it's it's this weird moment, but he has this little activity where he takes the cigarette out and he's putting it together. He's just he's just looking at it and he's like, yep, yeah, she was the one. Yep. It was like, spoiler alert, dude. That's not a spoiler. I'm kidding. No, it's really not. It's besides that, it's 10 years old not at this 10 point. 10 years, it's 97. So it's 15 years old at this point. Yeah, get your numbers right. So ten, I said ten plus. So thank you. <clears throat> all good things. Um, yeah, and beside that, you know, I love Kevin Smith. I love all his movies. So I'm very optimistic about this, and I will even forgive his lesser regarded movies. Like I like Jersey Girl. It's not bad. Yeah, I really did, and I think Liv Tyler was great in that movie. Liv Tyler's really cute. Yeah, she's very super cute. George Carlin was great. Even that little girl was great. I actually saw that little girl in a uh, in a production of White Christmas in San Francisco. Oh, oh, really? How, I did, several years ago. Several? Sever- I was a senior in high school, okay. so that was 2004. I'm glad you brought that up, because we actually have a piece of feedback from one of our listeners. We do. It's, feedback. Uh, corrections and feedback. I don't know if we'll have a sound bite for that, but uh, this comes to corrections us. Corrections feedback! Yeah! yeah. Motherfucker! Sean, please turn that into something. <laughs> Next time we have a correction feedback, just throw that in there. That was brilliant. Good job, again. Brian. Yeah, do it again. Do Let's it again. keep it. Corrections and feedback! Yeah! I got a little feedback off of that. <laughs> so this actually comes from one of our Facebook friends, Lauren Ashley. First of all, Lauren Ashley, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. We really it. appreciate it. And the fact that you even wrote into us. No relation to Sarah Ashley. Right? No, no, no relation no. whatsoever. No relation at all. Okay. Uh, but let's, Lauren, let's clarify that. Yeah. But Lauren Ashley, thank you so much for writing uh, into us. And I will read what you wrote right now. Um, not sure if you corrected this already, but White Christmas is not a remake of Holiday Inn. They pulled the classic song and reused it, but the plot is completely different. Also, this one is actually for Eric. We have weekly pandemic gaming nights in Iowa. Way the next time you fly over. Well, we will certainly do so next time we go over a plane. I think Eric just got very excited. That's, you know. In fact, I don't ever plan on going to Iowa until this moment. And <laughs> I'm buying tickets right now. And I'm done. Okay, I'll He's see you in He's buying about, them on his iPad. I'll see you in about two days. Pandemic it Give up. me a place to stay. <laughs> All right, Brian. Uh, I know when Go I first brought this up, corn. This, uh, this was a hot button topic for you. Well, Lauren, thank you for giving us feedback. We appreciate it. Yes, Lauren, thank you. Thank you for listening. You're awesome. However. Here it comes. Contention. I don't 100% agree. Nerd off. What? <laughs> Brian, does this agree with somebody? No. Shocking. Well, this is an episode. This, our podcast is called Nerds on Film. Oh, so push up your glasses oh, and oh. let's Are you keep ready going. to throw down with Lauren Ashley, a woman you've never met? I encourage the discourse. I really do. You I hear think that, Lauren? Right back. 
Yeah, right we, back after you hear this. I think we have an opportunity to actively engage with our listener base, and this is uh, all, all, right. all six of them. And so we have... <laughs> 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 and, hey, uh, hey, I told you Martha started listening. Seven. Oh, seven. Nice. Okay, seven. Seven. But all right, here's, my, it, bro. here's my counter-argument. Yes, the plot are different. The characters are different. However, it is a loose remake because there are so many similarities. Yes, they are based around the song. They're both involving saving an end that is near closing. There is the loose idea of the mutual romance. They are spiritual remakes of one another. They are not direct remakes of one another. You just got like all like, the secret on us right now. That was that was deep. It was like the idea of a remake. So please, Lauren, I want to hear your rebuttal. I really do. Who was it that challenged it? Somebody said that if, if we couldn't call White Christmas a remake of Holiday Inn, then we couldn't call Evil Evil Dead 2 that a was remake. Sean. Of, was that Sean who said that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Sean, Sean was like, I'm going to settle this right now. Yeah. And then he yeah. said that basically Evil Dead 2 was not a remake of Evil you know, Dead or, Evil Vice, Dead or something. Or something. It was a very loose remake of, of Evil Dead 1. And, yeah. um, and that uses that same logic to justify it. I mean, I, I wouldn't say that it was like a remake with the purpose of a remake, but I will say it's very similar. Not at all. And of course, it capitalized on the song White Christmas, yeah. which was originally in Holiday Inn. And they both have scores written by Irving Berlin. So the musically, they're going to sound very similar. Yeah. Right? They both star Bing Crosby. Mm-hmm. So it's naturally to think that, you know, the two are connected. Dreaming and they both also follow the style of musical review where there is a loose plot. I'm going to beat my kids done? now. <laughs> Just to clarify, is it is it like the ones you used to know? <laughs> just like ones I used to know. So it, it is. Yeah. Good. Okay. I just sorry. I just hey, want to clarify. You're make you want to do my Bing Cosby impression? Bing Bing Cosby. Bing Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> That's a weird. You know, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas <laughs> and the Jello and the Christmas of With the, the snow. Got the and jigglers the... and the shape of the trees and the stockings and With the, the treetops and they're glistening and, <laughs> and the, the children and the rock music. What we're trying to say, Lauren, is please throw down. Yeah. yeah. Throw down with Brian. And please keep listening because we want more of your feedback. Yeah. We want to hear more. Um, it's great that we opened up with uh, with White Christmas because I feel like that really plays into what our topic will be for today. Because it is December and we are in the Christmas spirit. And uh, we as nerds on film decided why not do an episode about Christmas? Not just once. Oh no, my friends. We're going to do it twice. Thrice even. Not thrice. Not we're only going to do it twice. <laughs> Uh, because roll, because after the second time, we're kind of tired. We want to <laughs> yeah. really want to just like have a sandwich and <laughs> take a nap. Can, can, like, can I get a Snickers bar before we go again? Because this is like really draining. <laughs> I am um, so sick of Christmas at this point. <laughs> all right. It's okay. I brought Cliff bars for everybody. <laughs> oh, sweet. Thank you, Eric. <laughs> this is fantastic. This is the best Christmas ever. But I think we were going to kick it off today by not talking about your traditional Christmas movies. No, oh, no, no, we are no, not. no, no, no. We were going to talk about un-Christmas movies. On Christmas, you say? I didn't believe they existed. (laughs) Brian, explain to us what on Christmas is. We are riddled with movies around this time of year that are holiday themed. Amen. And by holiday themed, I just mean they take place during Christmas time. Mm -hmm. Like The Holiday, which is a great movie, by the way. Though arguably an un-Christmas movie because it has little to do with Christmas itself. It actually is something to do with just, it happens to be in the season. So tonight, ladies and gentlemen of the internet. Yay! We are going to have a discourse yes. about what makes an un-Christmas movie. Yay. Hooray! I already have one in mind. I have several in mind I already. I know you do. You have a list. I have a list. I came prepared. Shocking, isn't it? 
you never actually come prepared. yeah it's very shocking <laughs> yeah it's usually david and i that are prepared and then you're usually just tapping into your like extensive movie knowledge which is frightening seriously when you and kevin get in the room together i want to run <laughs> it's a little scary it's a little scary i love it like sarah's just like that's her eating popcorn yeah i'm eating popcorn and, and then <laughs> i'm drinking my icy blue raspberry <laughs> <laughs> It's funny, though, because if you, if you listen to the podcast long enough, when Brian and Kevin are in the same room, you could actually start to hear the windows start to vibrate and shake. Yeah. And if we did it any longer than the hour that we normally do, I'm afraid that the structural integrity of the nerd cave would probably come crashing down. That's very true. It would crumble. And yeah. right now we're in a death nerd cave, so yeah. we would all die. We, we Especially are all... you with the umbrella hanging right above your head like that. Um, yep. No, I'm more concerned about the the, the bush hedge trimmer right <laughs> okay. there. I can guarantee you. This nerd cave new... has stalactites made of sharp objects like uh, They just uh, dangle a, over our heads. Like a saw and like a pointed umbrella we're, is We're right literally above. in a cave and that a the people of Final bag. Destination would like cream over riding about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can guarantee you, the new nerd cave will have nothing hanging above your heads that can impale you. That's good. Thank I, you. I, I've, I made sure that that's gonna. <laughs> Eric, get us out key. of here, please. <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm working um, on it. So let's we define digress. Uh, what an un-Christmas movie is. We kind of did a little bit. So like, let's go into like examples. Examples. Probably the most common that comes to mind right away. Gremlins. Absolutely. Gremlins takes place during Christmas time. But the has plot has nothing, nothing to, do with, to Christmas. do with Christmas at all. Other than I think what is it, the Magwai is a gift. He gets it as a gift. Like right. that's it. That's the only connection to Christmas. Otherwise, he could have gotten it as a birthday. Birthday. Right. Gift. So what I mean is this: an un-Christmas movie is a movie that has nothing to do with the true meaning of Christmas. Right. I see. But what is the true meaning of Christmas? Jesus' birthday. Giving? Well, if you're Christian, yes. Getting presents. <laughs> Giving. Giving, Screwing giving your family oh, out of millions. Peace of on giving earth. presents. Oh, all those, all of the, all the warm and fuzzy notions. Yes, war, peace on earth. Yes, of course, the coming of Christ. Uh, Spiked eggnog. Not quite, but okay. That's my cousins Christmas. aren't really that closely related to you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And now we know what goes down at the McGuire household. So to me, to, to me, that's my criteria. And what's on my list yep. of un-Christmas movies. Some of them are up for contention because you guys might think of them as Christmas movies. So you might say that this list is the naughty list that will get a lump of coal. Possibly. Let's take a look, shall we? Yes. So first is Gremlins. Okay. Right. I've not seen Gremlins. Okay. <gasps> what? I know. I'm so sorry. You... I've, only seen, I've only seen part of it, to be honest. <gasps> what? I can't believe you guys have not seen Gremlins. That's freaking I've disgusting. I've seen half oh, of Gremlins. I know that you oh my can't God. feed them Okay, after fine, then that's half disgusting, but David, you are entirely disgusting. Okay, okay well. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't mince your words in that statement. You know what? I only agree with you because they both, neither of them has seen Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. See? Awful. Awful, yeah. awful. Should yeah. we? Are we going to get our nerd tickets like revoked right now? No. No, no, just unsuspended. Because we still have Batman, and that's enough. Up job! These are strikes against you. Yeah. We're watching you. We have to go against the now. board next month. Yes. Well, okay. Have you guys seen Gremlins 2, the new batch? I've seen okay, also yes. parts of Gremlins 2, yes. Which is a New Year's movie. Because Gremlins 2 is very funny. An un-New Year's movie. No. It's bizarre. I thought, it was weird because the Gremlin, the Gremlin talks franchise. in that movie. The evil Gremlin talks in that movie. Yeah. I was just going to say, like, I've never seen anything in the Gremlins franchise. And I know that you can't feed them after midnight because that, that makes them go ape shit. You but... can't feed them after midnight. You can't get them wet and you can't expose them to bright light. The Mogwai, and, and the not, Mogwai, the, not yeah. the gremlin. Because the Mogwai becomes, the, it the replicates Mogwai and becomes the gremlin. spits gremlins out of his back. And he gets and he freaks out because he's like, uh-oh. And then 
Yeah. Ironically, though, yes. if you give a gremlin food after midnight, yes. water, or expose it to bright light, it becomes an culter. <laughs> true, true fact. True fact. Yeah. That's good to know. Yeah. Thank you. I read that on the internet. <laughs> ah, it's real. the place where truth resides. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, so we Gremlins, we were all agreement, is an un-Christmas I movie. An, I can't give my opinion. Despite I, the fact that Mugwai is wearing a Santa hat at one point, yes. Yeah, yeah. it's just is it's a movie that again, could take place at any other time, but yeah. yeah. Again, be not distracted by the Christmas imagery. It's the story we're talking about, right. whether the story has to do with Christmas. Yeah. Another great example, a movie very near and dear to my heart for obvious reasons, Batman Returns. Yeah. Yep. A totally un-Christmas movie. And also odd because it was released in June. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe there was like a pushback. It was a total pushback. Was it? That's what it was. We were, they were planning on a Christmas release and huh. they decided, nah, it's going to make more money in the summer. As which a is blockbuster. Worth, which is also why they've released every single Batman movie during summertime. Right. But I think the reason why they went with it is because Superman was released during Christmas time in 1978 and did reasonable box office at that point in time. So they were trying to go off of that vibe. What hmm. was also more confusing was that he was fighting a bunch of clowns. Clowns what do clowns stilts? have to do with Christmas? Well, the Nothing. clowns were, were penguins, henchmen. Which, Which were again, weird. No connection. Penguins, a little bit more of a connection with Christmas just because it's cold, right? But other than that. But not just penguins, the penguin. Yeah, but Mr. <laughs> Freeze is definitely associated with cold, and that wasn't a, an un-Christmas movie. Nope. It was just, it was just an un-movie. It was just an un-movie. It was bad. That's what it was. And of course. When Schumacher does the commentary and then apologizes afterwards, you know it's bad. I love it because he listens. He does he, Apologize. No, listen to this. It's he you can hear the commentary track. It's like, oh my God, was that the line? Oh, I am so sorry. Oh my yeah. God. This is why I want to buy that anthology series. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Okay, here's another one. Yes. This one might even be the opus magnum of Ooh, say what on Christmas say what movies. Gonna he's gonna say. He's gonna say it. Die Hard. Yeah, yeah baby. <laughs> ah. It is an un Christmas movie, but the first know. one is. But last year, I would have totally said that it was a Christmas movie. But Why? Yeah. Because it's set during Christmas. But that was very. That was. But it has nothing to do with Christmas. That was before we decided to define un Christmas. I would okay. Right. I still watch it at Christmas. Of course you do. Hey, come to the party. Have a few laughs. Maybe yeah. I love that movie. There's, I know you do. I love the first one. Yep. I'm mild to the second one, which I think is on your list. Right? I've Die only Hard seen two. the first one. Yeah. <gasps> oh, God. You need to watch the third one. The one with him and Samuel L. Jackson is really good. Okay. The fourth one's not even that bad. But Timothy Elephant and Live Free or Die Hard. It's pretty good, actually. Not bad. I'm not so sure about the next I'm one. I'm not. Yeah, I think they need to kill it. The one that's coming out on Valentine's Day? Yeah, yeah it looks mm. really bad. Yippee-ki-yay, Mother Russia? Here's why that's I like the tagline. The four- that's the tagline. Here's why I was upset about the fourth one. Because his... James it was Bond a PG-13 movie, right, which we've all defined in previous episodes. I forget which one, but you in our in our podcast, we define that you can say fuck at once. least once in a PG-13 movie. When Only did once. we define that? I think it was like earlier. Was it was I, one of our earlier ones, oh, yeah. before I was there. You're allowed to say fuck at least once. Maybe twice. No, it's once. Right. But you get a couple of shits in there. But anyways, the point <laughs> you, can, you can shit all you want, but the moment you fuck, it's R. Right. <laughs> but here's, here's the problem, is that you're allowed one fuck, right? And that's the thing, is that his line is iconic to John McClane. It's been in all three of the Die Hard movies. Everyone expected it in the fourth one. He hadn't said it yet up until the very, very end. And then at the very end, they cut it out. You hear him go, yippee mother, bang, gunshot. And everybody's like, what? what, 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 why is there a gunshot? Say motherfucker, like that's, that's John McClane. Did the MPAA got, get more strict? Or? I don't know. I, that's I, a whole other That's episode. stupid. And even the unrated version is still cut out. Yeah, it is. Mm. Really? 
Yeah. Interesting. So I'm worried about this. Well, maybe one. maybe Len Wiseman never intended it to be in the script, which is still a problem, don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying. Horrible problem. Okay. Well, let's quell that with another one on my list, which is, of course, Die Hard 2, Die Harder, because yeah. that is also an un-Christmas movie. It is, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, place, is, uh, not is as that good one, as the first one. Is that yeah. one take place during Christmas? It does. Again? In fact, it's a it's a similar story, but it's a different. It's an airport. Yeah, oh, okay. it's an airport. Yeah, exactly. His wife is. I'm just gonna say, I'm, I'm glad they didn't establish that Bruce Willis only kicks ass at that time of year, <laughs> right? <laughs> like 11 months out of the year, he does absolutely nothing. You see, he sits in a wife beater in front of a TV and drinks Bud Light, and that's all he does. <laughs> but during December, if you get in his way. <laughs> You see, you're dead. It'd be great if somebody did like a bit where like you see like John McClane, New Year's. He's just like, yeah, what's going on, guys? And it's like all the major holidays, and finally at Christmas time, he's like, you see him like working out when it gets closer to December. It's like, what's happening, John? It's like, like Thanksgiving. Christmas is almost here. Like Thanksgiving, he's, the world. He's like benching during Thanksgiving and stuff. He's like, I'm ready for this, guys. <laughs> That'd be great if like at the very end of it, all of a sudden they're like, okay, John, like Christmas is over. He's like, what do you mean it's over? <laughs> I didn't kill anybody this Christmas. They're like, it's okay, John. You don't have to do that every year. I didn't get what I wanted this year. <laughs> I wanted a dead terrorist from Germany or Switzerland to fall on a skyscraper. That's what I wanted. But that asking too much. Christmas isn't over yet. Ah! Christmas Aww. is real. Come around me, family. It's a miracle. Yeah. Okay, so the next couple I have on my list, I think, are two that are definitely up for contention. Contention! So this one is, again, another holiday favorite that we watch every year. And we'll probably mention it in our next episode, too, but it's called The Ref. Have you guys seen the movie The Ref? I've no. not seen it. I know what it's about. Oh, my God. So great. So it is one of... This movie stars Dennis Leary. Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey, before he got super discovered. Who is the woman? Judith Davis, I believe. IMDb Go. Eric. I'm on it. Go, go, IMDb I believe it's Judith Davis. The premise is about they're a married couple. It is on Christmas Eve. Right. They are at a therapy session. They're on the brink of divorce. Right. And basically, Dennis Leary is a burglar whose job he was doing got botched. So he takes the family, he takes them hostage, and he ends up through uh, an odd chain of events, ends up basically posing as their therapist when Kevin Spacey's family comes in for Christmas Eve dinner. Oh, wow. And uh, it's hilarious. Judy Davis. Judy, Judy just, Davis. Just for the record, Judy yes. Davis. Awesome. So Judy, not Judith. Sorry. It was very close. Might be Judith, but she goes by Judy. And uh, she was the wife. And uh, also it features J.K. Simmons. Great job. And a couple of really great performances all around. So, and I guess the reason why I think it's an un-Christmas movie is because of one other comment that we haven't brought up yet, which is vulgarity. For me personally, I don't know if vulgarity has a place in a movie that has to deal, do with Christmas. Like with the, what Christmas is really about. And I'm getting the look from Sarah here. I'm, a, I'm actually getting a look from David, too. And he's like, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't agree with that at all. I think that has absolutely nothing to do with anything. Why? Oh, snap. Did you see her throw that down? That was a spike into the end zone. Because for me, a Christmas movie, like we say, is when Christmas is a major plot point. I.e. Love Actually. Love Actually, yes. Um Home Alone, it's a major plot point. The family goes too. away for Christmas. Right, you know? but there's no vulgarity in Home Alone. The, no, no, but, I, that's, I, but that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is what makes a Christmas movie is that Christmas is essential to the plot. But the vulgarity... Vulgarity <clears throat> is a joke or is part of the essence of the movie. That, and that can be Christmas. It can be not Christmas. You know, like whatever. You know, you can have like a, a very porno Christmas where it's very like... <laughs> Guys, I think we have our new script. <laughs> you know, like we're <clears throat> throw some pterodactyls you know, say... in it and a tree. <laughs> this, is, this is where I'm going to sound conservative, and I don't care. 
Uh, to me, <laughs> to me, <laughs> guys, I'm gonna sound like a, a gun-toting man. Christmas, it's clean. <laughs> I don't. I feel like that a movie that has vulgarity and also is a Christmas-themed movie, and even though it may have a good story with a good meaning to it, I feel like it tarnishes away from the, the intention of the of the genre of Christmas movies. I'm gonna. A hundred percent disagree with you. Okay, hundred percent. I'm with Sarah on this one because I feel like the story is it, it's about the story, like Love Actually. Okay, yeah. Let's take Love Actually there for a second. Yeah, there's an entire scene where there's two people standing in for a porn shoot. Yep. And yet that movie is still a Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not a porn shoot, but it, they're it's the, a sex scene. They're the they're the naked stand-ins. Right, they're the naked stand-ins for the movie yeah. that they're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's an entire subplot of a guy trying to go to America to get laid by American chicks. Yeah, because but that easy. movie is all based around Christmas, thus being a Christmas movie. And but, yet there, but there are moments but of vulgarity. with all of those stories, though, or with many of the stories, there is a plot point of it being essential to Christmas. People are motivated by the fact that, that it is, Christmas. is Christmas. There's a, yeah, the, the entire story that gets it kicked off is Bill Nye's um, Christmas, Christmas song. song. Right. I love that. Yeah, and then these and then oh, these two shit, people bloody fuck a bitch. <laughs> and then these two people who are having who are the naked stand-ins for this movie, they're finding a connection at a time when they're both single, single and alone and they're finding connection, you know, just because it's the holidays and you want to be connected with somebody. Well, let me ask you about the ref cuz I've never seen it. I'm just watching I just read it. We need to watch it. We need, we need little, to find it and watch it. I just read a quick little summary of it and Essentially, it says a cat burglar is forced to take a bickering, dysfunctional family hostage on Christmas Eve. I don't know about you folks, but that feels like Christmas Eve every single time for me. <laughs> right? So are you the cat burglar? <laughs> we play, we trade off for me here. <laughs> so instead of being like the who's going to be the Santa of the year, you're going to be like, all right, who's going to break into the house and hold us all gun- at gunpoint, guys? <laughs> but, but think about it, right? You're bringing all your family together and, you know, things aren't going to flow perfectly. Yeah. I'm assuming, however, at the end of this movie, there's at least some sort of happy ending, right? Kind of, yeah. yeah. There's The thief gets away. Kevin Spacey stages a distraction so that Dennis Leary can get away. And then he and Julia Davis both patch up their marriage in a, in a weird way. So if this guy hadn't come in and held a gun to their heads and held them hostage, then they would have had a horrible Christmas because it would have been another dysfunctional Christmas and the, the couple would have been one step closer to divorce or what have you. Instead... Him coming in and doing something awful ended up saving Christmas. Oh, good point. Just throwing it out there. Good point. Yeah, I think I think vulgarity should not have a place in it. As long as the story is propelled by the idea of Christmas. Like, mm-hmm. we're saying Die Hard or Die Hard 2. It just so happens that John McClane kills people during Christmas. But at no point is it Christmas propelling really the story. Right. It could be any sort of office party. That, right. Yeah. He doesn't have somebody at gunpoint and he says, you know what? Merry Christmas. It's Christmas, so I'm not going to kill you. Yeah. Let's no. go out and fight. I mean, and, and if you think about it, really, if you really wanted to get into it, John McClane's stories, that's a formula plug-in. I mean, he could put John McClane into any situation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, the idea of uh, Die Hard 3 was supposed to be a movie called Simon Says, and the guy that wrote it pitched it to Fox, and he's like, hey, I got this action story about this cop and this killer that's like playing this weird twisted game as Simon Says, and they're like, that's great. But you know what? We really want to do another Die Hard movie, so make it a John McClane thing, and it's done. And the guy's like... Okay. And so he put John McClane into the movie, and that's how Die Hard 3 got birthed. I don't know how we got off on that tangent, but I'm just saying, like, for John McClane, like, it's not a, it's an un-Christmas movie because it's, like, it's just the background. But vulgarity should not be a factor of whether it's a Christmas movie or not be a Christmas movie, in my honest opinion. Sarah. Sarah. Case in point. Not a movie, but a sketch. Dig in a box. <laughs> 
propelled <laughs> by gift giving on Christmas to your loved one. You're really going to argue that's a Christmas sketch just because it has it's a, a Christmas sketch. Christmas sketch. It totally yeah. is. Yeah, I it is agree. a Christmas sketch. So what's that have to do with the true meaning of Christmas? It means he's giving her something that it she is wants. Giving her dick. <laughs> well, because usually, because usually, from what I remember, that, because from what I remember, that video ends with him in handcuffs, doesn't it? Right. But As does many Christmases for. But um, when he opens, but when he opens, or when she opens the box. And then she like looks in. She's like, "Oh yeah, it's your That's dick true. in a box." Right. Like you know that. All right. Let's it's be the clear. Meaning, it's it, it's the meaning of giving. And let's just say a dick in a box on any other day of the year would have absolutely no meaning, but on Christmas, <laughs> it means the world. Actually, exactly. no. He did say um, what on New Year's dick in a box. New Year's at Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa, dick in a box. But all around this particular holiday season. Yeah. Just yeah. thrown out So, okay. so well, I, I will say that... Like, I get your point. You're saying yeah. the vulgarity should not play it's a It's not necessarily in the traditional Christmas spirit. But then again, if you also go to Victoria's Secret or Fredericks of Hollywood, Santa-themed lingerie all up in that business. Oh, that's a whole so. other can of worms. But, I'm, I'm, but what I'm saying to. is vulgarity very cute. can happen at Christmas time. So uh, I, I think it needs to be accepted. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> can I just Sean, say let's something? let's cut that out. <laughs> Can I just say something? Yes. Adrian! Adrian! Oh, Rocky Four. Rocky Four isn't on Christmas movie. Wait. Oh, good point. Was it Rocky Four? Wait, which one's Rocky Five? Rocky Five is when he loses all of his money. And, and that's with the kid, right? Yeah, that's him. And then he trains the next boxer who that gets is the Christmas. That, that's his Christmas movie, right? Well, Rocky Four is his un-Christmas movie because it is set during Christmas. But the only and he's in Russia. Yeah, the only part that has anything to do with Christmas is when he wishes his son uncomprehensible happy Christmas. Uh, Merry Christmas! Christmas. Merry Christmas! Yeah. Well, then that really makes this rough because the... um, The next one on your list is... Was also contentable, which was Bad Santa. That movie is entirely propelled by Christmas. It has Santa in the name. Well, it has Santa in the name. Again, a symbol of Santa, though, or symbol of Christmas doesn't necessarily make it a Christmas movie. Here's why that movie is a Christmas movie. I think if a symbol of Christmas propels the plot... It makes it a Christmas movie. And here's it's not just the symbol either. The the So Black of, Christmas, which is when there's a killer who's dressed as Santa Claus, I believe, murders people. That's a Christmas, Christmas movie. movie. Silent Night Silent Night Deadly Night. Christmas movie. Yeah, Christmas movie. Horrible Christmas movie, but Christmas movie nonetheless. <laughs> if a plot is propelled by a Christmas But it has nothing to do with the thing. true meaning of Christmas. I don't think it has to do with the true meaning Christmas. I think it has to do but, with Christmas. But that's what the whole argument but, but about Bad Santa, though. Okay, well, here's here's, here's how I'm going to say Bad Santa from this un-Christmas list. That movie is vulgar. Yes. It's hilarious. You get to hear someone utter, fuck me, Santa. Like, <laughs> Which is pretty funny. I actually funny. haven't seen Bad Santa. Oh, my God. It's funny. Whatever. You, you haven't seen it. Gremlins. It, oh, I'm not it, It sometimes just goes for the shock value, I think. But it's funny. It is funny. It does not go just for shock value. It goes for this guy who is a thief who is working as a holiday Santa at malls because on Christmas Eve or somewhere around there, him and his elf partner rob the mall for all of its money, pretty much. So they just get their inner workings and they rob it. And then they go town to town and do this. But what happens at the end of that movie is that he, while doing all this, is shacking up. We're not really shacking up. He's living at this house with this kid, this rotund kid who gets picked on. It's a very depressing part of it. I mean, like, and I'm probably coming from this place where I was, you know, at that age, I was a little bit big and kids made fun of me. And so, like, I felt for this kid. But he's living at this place with this kid whose grandmother is completely non-existent. No one's there for him in his life. And so this horrible, depraved human being who doesn't give two shits about anybody else but himself 
actually learns through this experience at this one area to care about others and to care about this kid. So much so that at the very end of the movie, as he's getting shot, it's a very twisted ending. He gives a teddy bear to this kid because this kid wanted this teddy bear. And this kid gave him a wooden pickle. You'll have to see the movie and you know what I mean. It's an action, like this kid like carved. Spoilers. <laughs> well, whatever. But I'm just <laughs> saying like that movie watches as a man goes from being so self-centered to becoming a man who actually starts to care about other people. <gasps> which Scrooge. is the true. Yes. Okay. Very Scrooge. Fair enough. I'll allow Bad that. Santa is 100% a Christmas movie. But Silent Night being a Christmas movie. <clears throat> I, Silent I, Night, I'm... Deadly Night. Okay, fine. It's a horror movie with a Christmas background. but Un-Christmas movie. I don't know if we should say that a Christmas icon propels the movie. It should be the Christmas being a central focus. I like, that's okay. what, I like that plot okay. point that you said. That it's okay. a plot yeah. point. It's because a plot it, point. Because it motivates it, the character to change to what you're saying. Yeah. So I want to bring up this one. <clears throat> now, I haven't seen this movie in like a million years. Uh, it's a movie called The Lemon Drop Kid. 1951 Bob Hope movie. Um, I actually am a, a pretty big Bob Hope fan. And uh, and this one, he's a con man, and he has to get a certain amount of money by Christmas Eve. Now, that is saying Christmas Eve is a plot point that sets it into motion. But the rest of the movie really has absolutely nothing to do with Christmas. It's just that happens to be the date. Does that make it a Christmas movie or an un-Christmas movie? Uh, I need to know more about the story. Mm. What happens to him? I don't really remember. Oh, he tells I like, a lot of I jokes do, at a I US kind of, tour. I, like I said, it's been a million years since I've seen the movie. If it was something to do with him <laughs> having some conversion moments, some moment of change due to the fact that it was Christmas, then I would say it's a Christmas movie. If it has nothing to do with that, then it's just seasonally appropriate as well okay. as because it's the date, not right. so much. It's just a happens to be sure. a time period, not so much of a yes. motivational. To thing. make it even more simple is. There's a scene in Love Actually where Andrew Lincoln courts Kira Knightley with cue cards, and he writes in there because it's Christmas. Yeah. To profess his love to her, that should be the basis for all of our ideas about what is a Christmas movie. Because it's because of that time of year, it's because of that date, it's because of that event that he is feeling like I need to finally tell this person that I am absolutely 100% in love with them, even though I can't get her. It motivates the character. It, it motivates, motivates the them. Plot. So if we can, if Christmas motivates that person to do something in the plot that's you know actually a focus, then we can say it's a Christmas movie. Okay. Whereas in *Lethal Weapon*, which is I think on your list, it is on my actually it's the next one on my list. Is uh, yeah. that is not a Christmas movie? It just so happens to take place during Christmas. Yes. Right. Exactly. I agree with that completely, and it's one of my favorite movies. I oh, love yeah. the whole *Lethal Weapon* series, even the fourth one. Yeah. I love it. Um, but I will say. Yes. Sarah? Would you like to speak, Sarah? No, I just had a a weird revelation. (laughs) Oh, good, because I thought you were having a stroke. (laughs) (laughs) I'm seizing. No, I had a weird revelation. Um, Lemon Drop Kid, that's actually where the... That's the first time that the song Silver Bells debuted. Oh. And and Meet Me in St. Louis, which only has like a certain amount of time that takes place during Christmas. Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas is the first time... Heartbreaking when you know the context of that scene, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But... That's not a Christmas movie, really, because it kind of takes place over a span of time, and it's only yeah, a it's it's amount. more of a coming of age story. It feels yeah. like, or in the sense that it takes place over numerous seasons. Yeah. So it's interesting how we can have these iconic Christmas moments or Christmas songs, and but let's also be fair that this is old Hollywood, and and those movie songs did become um, iconic yeah. uh, standards. They're, yeah. they're still sung today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. While you were saying that, I had a revelation of my own. And I Did almost, it look like a stroke? <laughs> uh, no, but it felt like one. Um, 
Half my face went numb. It was weird. Uh, the left side of my body does not move. <laughs> I, I kind of thought, well, maybe, wait a minute. Maybe Lethal Weapon is kind of a Christmas movie in a sense. So oh. Explain yourself. Murdoch's wife dies in and around Christmas time, right? Not Murdoch. Murdoch. Mur- sorry. No, you're talking about Riggs. Riggs, Riggs excuse me. I can Riggs! <laughs> Riggs! We can't do this, Riggs! I think we really need to mention Mel Gibson's hair in this movie. What do you mean, the mullet? It was awesome. The mullet that lasts for three movies yep and he, and he grew it back for each movie too that's what's hilarious that's a mullet cubed right there people <laughs> uh let's keep in mind the mullet has endured for quite a long time in historical t- context i'm talking about mullets throughout the ages and it's still alive today i think nerds I smell on history. Another <laughs> history of the mullet <laughs> you know okay so rick's wife dies in and around Christmas time, right? Because he's kind of... Mm. It's the holiday, he's depressed, he's going to shoot himself in the head, and then he finds meaning with a whole other family who is kind of celebrating Christmas, and they're all in and around Christmas. And oh, so he gets absorbed and brought into a family. Ah, that, oh, that's a good oh, argument. But you see, that, that could have happened in any other context other than Christmas, though. But he was so down. He was so low because it was Christmas, his wife was dead, he wanted to die, but he didn't. He, and he gives that he awesome speech meeting. where he's like, every day... I go home to find a reason not to do it every day. Yeah. Question. Answer. If his wife had died on Easter. Would it have been set in Easter time? Or, but like, would it be the same thing? Or, you know, if she had died on October 15th. Yeah, exactly. That's, I think that's my point is Christmas is this dark time. It's cold, but we still have a a meaning to come together and be with family and be together. And especially in film. But but what I'm saying is, is is his coming into a new family, getting, you know, like needing something more, needing acceptance with the, with something else. Is that necessarily motivated by Christmas or is it motivated by the anniversary of his wife's death? Good point. That's what I'm arguing. Good point. I think that maybe Christmas helps propel that along though, right? And makes it more believable because we all associate it with wanting to be with our loved ones during Christmas. I was just mostly being devil's advocate. No, no, I agree though. I think that's a really good point. I think that back to your earlier point though, that Christmas movie is propelled by the ideals of Christmas that it ties together even more perfectly. All of your points to that that fact. Yeah, and I think it just made that movie easier for us to want to see Riggs go in with the Murtaugh family and start off that lovely partnership. Because, you know, in every movie that has to deal with Christmas or has Christmas as a theme, there's at least some element of somebody missing something in their life or wanting something in their life. And And there's snowfall at the very end. More and more more I think about it. I mean, and it's kind of like, hey, you want to come on in and join the family for Christmas? All right, can I get one of those dogs biscuits you know and then the snow kind of falls that, and knowing that i haven't seen lethal weapon in a very long time i forgot that it took place during christmas <sighs> good point too i'll say this if you can take or leave the fact that it was movie takes place during christmas time with the plot of the story then it's probably not a christmas movie i'll tell you i'll tell I you like what... eric's argument i really do no i i like it too i think it's really i think it's really good i'm just for the sake of argument well i'm going to tell you what is not a christmas movie brazil what? That takes place Brazil during Christmas Brazil takes time? place during Christmas? It does. There is Christmas <gasps> imagery. Does. I've never seen Brazil. Pepper oh through the God. whole thing. It's a weird fucking movie. That's why I don't yeah. want to see it. I'm yeah. so afraid. Yeah, to but you know, see, Terry... see the director's cut if you're going to see it. The, the... Sarah. Terry Gilliam also did yeah. uh, 12 Monkeys, which is also an un-Christmas movie. That's true. That is so 12 true. 12 Monkeys. Wait, is, is that the one with Brad Pitt and yeah. Uh, yeah. Bruce Willis? Willis. Yeah. yeah. And who was the girl in that? Madeline Stowe. Madeline Stowe. That's very true. I do believe that one is an un-Christmas movie. I think there are Christmas elements to that. And of course, Terry Gillen of Monty Python fame. The only yes, American yes. in the Monty Python troupe. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. 
but Brazil, yeah, man. Brazil Absolutely. is a bizarre movie, but it is an interesting and very thought-provoking movie. And is completely and totally set in Christmas. Yes, absolutely. Brian, you're not done with your list. What else you got? I've got only three more on my list. And again, some of these are up for contention. Um, Trading Places? Yes or no? I've never seen it. That's the one with Eddie Murphy and... Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd and Dan Jamie Lee Aykroyd. Curtis. Yeah. yeah. Never seen it. I've heard of it. Takes place during... It's very much like Prince and the Popper remake. Oh. The idea is... Dan Aykroyd is this well-to-do rich man who ends up trading places with pretty much this homeless guy. Is he motivated by Christmas to trade places? No, he's uh, he doesn't do it willingly. Actually, he well, gets moved out by his uh, by a couple of underlings in his company. Were his underlings motivated by Christmas? No, they were motivated by greed. <laughs> then it's not a Christmas movie. No, nope. it's on Christmas. On Christmas. On Christmas. Decided. I need a gavel. Sorry, David. We decided with this that. one. So I was reading up on the Lethal Weapon, and I wanted to just. Even the Wikipedia article that I was reading was it kind of just goes like, oh, and then on Christmas Day they did this, and I was like, oh, okay. So this one, yeah, this one has I think needs no contention here. Eyes wide shut. On Christmas. On Christmas, right? It's just the porn movie, right? <laughs> it's not really a porn movie. There's like maybe five minutes of sex in the entire movie, but there's nudity throughout. Yeah, but what's your point? I've never watched that movie all the way through because I keep falling asleep. Yep, I've seen half of it. And what, did I was you, like, oh, what did you just it's say? Very, I keep falling very asleep during that one. Esoteric. This is the second Kubrick movie you've fallen asleep through. Well, to be fair, when I saw Space Odyssey, I was like... I was talking about The Shining. Oh, yeah, that one too. So that's three. three. That's three. But uh, what is it? Full Metal Jacket, Clockwork Orange. I stay awake through those ones. And I love those ones. Love, love them. I mm-hmm. love Clockwork Orange. It's one of my favorite books. So, yeah, nothing to do with Christmas. Nothing. <laughs> Thank God. But I digress. <laughs> now this one, this one, I was looking at it and I was doing some research online, and this came upon a couple of people's lists, but I don't know whether it qualifies or not because I've never really seen all the movie. Um, which is while you were sleeping, and that's the movie where oh, Sandra Bullock pulls the guy. He has like a sudden, I would like say a stroke or something, and he gets pulled from the train. I would say that's un-Christmas because um, she is completely motivated by her um, imagined love for this guy in a coma. And, and, right. and, and Christmas is only a small part of that it's movie. It's only yeah, a small isn't part. Isn't he in a coma for He's for quite in a, a coma for a while. But yeah. um, there's no motivation. There's no plot point for it to being Christmas. You know, her acceptance in this family has to do with her feigned relationship with this guy in the coma. It has nothing to do with Christmas. So. Exactly. And, un- but, Christmas but, but, movie. but Christmas is what brings her into that. And that's not I'm to make the serious. argument for the, to, to the opposite. I'm sorry. I didn't hear anything you said because David I'm was sorry. singing. I had, I had to incorporate that song. It was kind of appropriate. I didn't. What was that song? Girlfriend in a coma. I know. I know. It's serious. It's a real song. Check it out. Okay. I think we'll By... just go with your rendition and move on. By whom? <laughs> Eric, oh, you've been doing some research here. Have you found anything else interesting? I've been mostly reading about Hansel and Gretel, but sorry. <laughs> That's an un-Christmas story, Brian. <laughs> He's preparing for the next podcast. He is. What's pretending. an un-Christmas movie? What? Snow White. Oh, it was Brazil you were looking at. That's what it was. Brazil is what I was, I was reading up on, because I've seen it, but I've seen it a very long well, time What about ago. you guys? What do you think? Is there anything in here that I, is not on my list that you feel like are un-Christmas movies? American Psycho. It takes place during Christmas. There is, uh, there is definitely a part where Most Patrick Bateman actually takes a pause on his murder spree, hmm. um, and he attends a Christmas party. Yeah, well, actually, he kills a hobo in the dead of winter. So yeah, uh, or at least he imagines he does, depending on your perspective of the movie. Wait, that's not a Christmas tradition. <laughs> wow. <laughs> There's that occasional dark humor that comes out. Sorry. What kind of Christmas are you dealing with? Crack-y, Fuck. Crack-y. Okay. Well. Um, while looking through my list here, about a boy, 
Yeah. About a boy. Okay. On Christmas movie. Bridget Jones's Diary. Hmm. There are definitely scenes in there where she's like attending like Christmas parties held by like parents and stuff, but it really has very little to do with Christmas. And I would go as far to say it has absolutely nothing to do with Christmas. More to do with a the middle age identity. Woman. Well, I wouldn't call it middle age. Not really. No. Late in the film, the protagonist stays overnight at a friend's house, which has been oh, decorated for Christmas, no. snowing throughout no. for the first from indicating that time of year. That how is it even on the list? It's not an un-Christmas movie. That's ridiculous. No, that's not legitimate. Sorry. Okay, now here's one that I'm going to debate, and you can tell that we're going alphabetically because we just said about a boy, Bridget Jones' diary, <laughs> Citizen Kane. What? Rosebud. Because of Rosebud? The sled that he gets during no, Christmas. No, not a non-Christmas movie because the majority of the movie does not take – it's not a it's not a motivator for – I mean, it doesn't – Okay, the movie but that, that's, that yeah. says that it's not a Christmas movie. Right, but it also isn't an un-Christmas movie because the majority of the movie doesn't take place during Christmas time. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Enemy of the State. Uh, yes, on Christmas movie. movie takes place during yep. Christmas, but on it is Christmas, not a movie. Christmas movie. Absolutely. Enemy of the State. I would qualify that. Yes. <clears throat> it's a good movie, by the way. Great movie. Rest in peace, Tony Scott. Apparently, Expendables 2. I haven't seen the Expendables 2 yet. I, neither have I. I don't know if I'm going to. Oh, I would see it for Van Damme. I would easily. see it for Chuck Norris. And Chuck Norris, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, I, w- I would see it just to see it. Oh, Gentlemen and Lady, Ghostbusters 2. Fuck, I forgot about that. Yeah. He does have. Why did we not think of that? Because it starts off in Christmas time and then it goes into Little Christmas. Because it's all geared around New Year's Eve. But New Year's Eve takes place during Christmas time, though. Yeah, exactly. It's all part of the I consider New Year's Eve something separate, but there is definitely like the earlier. earlier Are we going by the 12 days of Christmas? Because if that's the case, it goes from December 5th to January 6th. Oh, I'm not going by the 12 days of Christmas. I'm going to throw it down. By December December 1st to December 25th. That's Christmas time for me. I'm going to throw it down. All the Harry Potter movies. They do all have Christmas elements. They all have. They're un Christmas movies. But they because don't. Just because they, they have certain things that happen. Hey, a Christmas like scene does not make it an un Christmas movie. Wikipedia does not get okay, things Edward wrong. Okay, Edward hands. Oh, yeah. That's Christmas for sure. Debatable. Takes, because there's moments that have Christmas in it, but it's but not. But the ending, yeah. though, which is the big climax so for the movie. If there's a moment of Christmas. Okay, so this is where we say is it Holiday Inn or White Christmas? Holiday Inn covers a lot of holidays, definitely not a Christmas movie or even an un-Christmas movie, even though it may talk about Christmas at one point. Correct? Is that fair? Correct. So that means that that we have to hold that true for all un-Christmas movies. That means if it has a scene taking place during Christmas, it cannot be necessarily an un-Christmas movie. It just so happens that Holiday Inn's most famous moment is the white Christmas scene. But But we have to hold true. Am I boring? Actually, you know what? Hang on a second. I might have a counter argument okay. because Holiday Inn starts off at Christmas Eve. Uh-huh. It deals with him going through the winter months. Yes, he does do the year-round thing. Then it ends on Christmas again. It goes full circle. Well, by that argument, Edward Scissorhands doesn't that start with Christmas or no. Christmas time? It ends with no, Christmas, it ends with no? Christmas time. I always thought that the maybe it's just because of no. there's Citizen Kane does not end on Christmas, nor does it begin on Christmas. No, but it ends with a Christmas present. No. <laughs> Rosebud, we, we don't know if it was a Christmas present. We just know it was a prized childhood possession. There's no implication that it was a Christmas present. Okay. Look, wow. You right. guys just got really serious about that for a second. No, no that's fair. That's a fair argument. Yeah. In Bruges. Takes place during the entire holiday season. On sure. Christmas movie. On, on Christmas movie. On Christmas movie, hands down. Uh-huh. Keep scrolling down your alphabetical list, David. Oh, oh, oh. We're looking at the same I list. like Confidential. Mm. It takes place during the holiday season. Entirely. But it, it's and it's motivated by a killer. It's motivated by killer a killer killed on Christmas Eve, right? Well, there is a massacre that takes place 
on Christmas Eve, and that kind of untangles the web of everything. So it's not based on Christmas at all. It's I would I would it's classify not based it. on no, no, nor is it motivated no, 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 by I'm Christmas. Saying, like, I'm so saying that the whole okay. that the whole movie takes place. The investigation takes place during Christmas time. Yes, I had to watch it again, but I'm fairly certain it's been it a does. long time since I watched that one too. I just watched it recently for like the first time, well, maybe like a month ago, and I was so excited by that movie. Yeah, it's a very good movie. Fucking great, guy great Pierce. performances in that oh movie. Oh my god. Yeah. Sarah and I are like now looking through. So the holiday. <clears throat> Love that movie. You do. Um, Un-Christmas movie. It's an yeah. un-Christmas movie because it just takes place during yeah. the holiday season. They, they're just going on holiday during Christmas time, by. not motivated by the holiday. Well, okay, that could be argued in the very same vein that Lethal Weapon was argued. But because they are looking to get out of each other's lives for the holiday season because they don't want to be in their familiar location because they're two lonely women. Yeah. And as they switch their places, they find that during the holiday season, they find love. In By other the way, areas. I saw a part of that movie again, and I when I originally loved that movie when it came out, and then I was watching it again on TV the other night. I was looking at it and thinking, man, this dialogue is just so on the mark, and I don't mean on the mark in the good way. I mean, it's just so. It says what it means. It doesn't. It's a rom com. What the fuck do you expect? <laughs> Yeah, I guess Rom-coms so. are never supposed to have in-depth, like, subtle-meaning dialogue. Mm. Well, okay. Like, I mean, for the majority of them, they're, they're Sarah very... and I are both like, mm. I'm No, I'm, I'm thinking. Okay. I'm, I'm processing, like, my favorite rom-coms and stuff. The only one that I think that doesn't do that is Sliding Doors. Mm. That doesn't have... I haven't seen Sliding Doors. <sighs> I cry. David, I know you've Quint seen Pelford way more rom-coms than accent. most females on the planet. Don't so. give a shit. I love rom-coms. I know you do. Actually, okay, look who's talking now. That's one of the dogs. Yes, yeah, un-Christmas movie. Un-Christmas movie. Well, un actually, movie. here's the thing. No, it could be a Christmas movie because they are trying to get to each other on Christmas By Day. Christmas, yeah. By Christmas Day. <clears throat> they want to be very with much each like other home, for very the home holiday. Alone-esque. They're trying to get together okay, for the holiday. About... So actually, I would say that would be a Christmas movie. Okay, so then how about Look Who's Talking? Uh, well, not Look Who's Talking, Three Men and a Baby. Three Men and a Baby. Isn't Three Men and a Baby also? Uh, there is a very, very small Christmassy part of it. I think towards the end of the movie, it's set okay. in Christmas. But actually, Look Who's Talking, the third one. Look Who's Talking Again. The one no, with the animals. Now. That. Yeah, yeah. We just, we just said that. No, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> No, you didn't. <laughs> no, you didn't. Okay. Okay. Okay, you did. Got it. I wouldn't so much as say that this one is, this is more of an un-Christmas movie. P2, it was a horror movie that came out, of, uh, this says 2007, so about five years ago, about a woman who goes down to the parking garage to get into her car and she's terrorized by a psychopath on Christmas Eve. Un-Christmas movie. Sure. Sure. And sad. And disturbing. Prometheus. What? Definitely a Christmas movie. <laughs> and, and let me tell you why. Why? Okay, was... I don't have anything, but definitely a Christmas movie. Be, no. Spaceship crew seeks humanity's Not... origins and discovers a great no. threat on a distant planet. A scene takes place on Christmas Day in 2093. Fuck no. Sorry. I don't remember when that that's, happened. I don't even think that's an un movie. Exactly. It's movie. a throwaway scene in the movie. The movie, the that. scene could literally, wait, wait, movie could go without it. Isn't that the part where the captain and the lady are like, you know, it's Christmas. We should oh, they fuck Christmas each alone. Other. Yeah. Oh, well, why don't we have sex? That is one it? of my favorite scenes because after she, after they, no, here's why. Well, no, that's not giving away anything. Okay. No, trust me. No, here's I why I liked it because. It. God, this is terrible. 
<sighs> fine. No, you can no, take it. Leave it. My favorite no, scene. No, go on. Go on. I was just gonna say that, like, what I liked about it was that they do like this foreplay of, of dialogue back and forth, and then at the very end, when she's like, "Okay, fine, yeah, I'll, I'll let's do this," he just kind of like stands by himself and he starts singing that song. He's like, "Love the," he's like, "If you can't be with the one you love, honey, love the one you're with." And I remember watching it, being like, "That was fucking brilliant." Cause I, I love the actor. I forget the actor's name. The guy that we thought could be the first black James Bond. Oh, Idris Elba. Yes. Doesn't ruin anything about the movie at no, all. Not at all. That's okay. nothing to do with the plot. Nope. Nope. Cool. It's a throwaway scene. Just about the captain wanting to get his dick sucked. Reindeer games. Ah, oh, you're in the R's too. Me too. <laughs> Reindeer games. Sure. Though Christmas is a motivator for the plot. A newly paroled convict is coerced into helping a gang of thieves rob a Native American casino on Christmas Eve. Yes, and his and the main character is trying to spend Christmas with his girlfriend and is sidetracked from that. So Christmas action movie. Kind of falls in that. Which uh, Charlize Theron has come out publicly and said that she hated doing that movie. I'm sure she did. All right. Serendipity. Oh, you said what I was going to say. You want to know why I said that? Why? Because it has your name in it? No, it is my... (laughs) (laughs) Although, can I just say... um, Oh, because you love Cusack. Serendipity is my second favorite rom-com of all time. What's your first? Love Actually. It's my first favorite. Serendipity is my second favorite. And yes, after, you know, seeing Serendipity, when I saw it, you know, I was younger and um, I have several screen names that actually use serendipity as like my thing but um and I, and I do love john cusack so much lloyd dobler ruined the male gender for me forever <laughs> um but that whole um thing actually did like because of a christmas rush like to buy gloves and they and they had like some kind of like you know cute meat or whatever meat with, cute meat cute sorry um with gloves and and during like buying christmas presents so that kind of sets off the action setting off the plot but like it's, but, it's more but about the rest fate. Of, but the rest of it doesn't yeah the rest yeah. of it doesn't actually take place it just so happens to take place on christmas but yeah. the movie is based, though, it's christmas. grounded in fate yeah and yeah. i was i was gonna go there yeah. i'm just saying like that was kind of no i agree I'm i can you. see where it would be confused as such as maybe a christmas doesn't it end movie? on like on a christmas day it or does. something because it it's snowing when he's at the ice the rink. epilogue the epilogue is them hap is a Christmas thing because so oh right because they because they because they go back to where they met yeah yeah as as like an anniversary thing yeah. after they've gotten you know they've gotten back <sighs> can together. I just say like of all the rom coms I've seen I love Serendipity for multiple reasons one it's a cute story two Kate Beckinsale's in that movie and she is just gorgeous. I mean, just absolutely gorgeous. And three, the fact that they use the Godfather and Godfather Two as a way to describe women. Yes. And oh, and the, and the secret number four, Jeremy Piven and John Cusack working <gasps> together. Oh my like God. I love them together. That's fucking amazing. Like them they should together. always be in movies together. Constantly, always, forever. Always, always, never. Because Completely those two agreed. work off each other so fucking. They well. do. Mm-hmm. And their first, I don't know if it's their first, but one of their first doing, uh, like, working together, Gross Point Blank. Love that they movie. They brilliant in that fucking movie. Can I just say, I saw Serendipity on an airplane, and I don't know if it was really all that edited because it didn't feel like it at all, but I actually saw that movie going home for Christmas to my family in Connecticut one year. Did you get emotional? No, I was like 11. No, I wasn't. No, I was like 16. He's like, okay, back in <laughs> Way off, way off. I was... By that alone, <laughs> it's now a Christmas movie. Because you saw it on a plane for Christmas? Yeah. On my way home for Christmas. Yeah. With my family. There you go. Or to go to my family, my extended family. But let's get back to the real major point here, and that's I love John Cusack. <laughs> <laughs> like it's All right, kind... guys, to sum up today's episode, John Cusack. <laughs> yep. 
That's uh, all right. you need to know. Okay, do we have any other any other additions to the list? Nothing that I could see on the list, or the, the one that Sarah and I are kind of in tandem going through. Um, and what what website are you referring to, by this the way? This is Wikipedia. See, yeah, Wikipedia. Okay. So Wikipedia does have a list of movies that have a relation to Christmas. And Eric, I'm just going to bring this one up just for you. Star Trek Generations, because... Damn when, it, I was going to say it. When, I was saying it until <laughs> the end. When Jean-Luc goes to the Nexus and he's got his Christmas family thing. But that doesn't really make it an un-Christmas movie because, again, it's it could be anything. It doesn't move the plot whatsoever. It moved so, me. I know. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, there's really not Tricky. much left here in the list that, that Wikipedia has. Not, not to say that we've gone over every single movie that has Christmas as sort of a background for us. So if you're you're listening, you know, and you think that we've we haven't covered something, please tell yeah, us. Yeah, let us know. We're not absolutely. We're not, you know. So, so let's just clear up the definitions one more time. Right. We an can recap. Yeah. An un-Christmas movie needs to be set during Christmas time in its entirety, or come back to Christmas. Yeah. Right. If it starts at Christmas, it must end. Can't just Christmas. be a scene. Yes. I would say that most of the movie it has to be a recurring thread. Has to be set during the Christmas season. Yes. Which would be also the requalifier for Holiday Inn because there's three or four major scenes that take place during Christmas time. Hmm. So are you just reneging your argument with, with Lauren? No. That has nothing to do with it being a remake. I know, I'm just going back to it. Okay. Yeah. And then... See what I did there? But it can't just have just some arbitrary... Random... It can't be like the Bourne identity that has like a scene of Christmas in it. Yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't work. But it has, to, it has to be set during Christmas time. But Christmas is not a plot motivator, a character motivator, nothing like that. Right, man. It does not contribute to the story. It is merely a backdrop. Before Correct. we... Uh, Correct. Completely okay. wrap up, what is your favorite un-Christmas movie? Eric. Well, I, I was going to say Lethal Weapon until I debunked that. So... Okay. I'm going to say... No. No? The movie No? That's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I IMDb like, this. this. Well played. Well played. <clears throat> you know what? I'm going to go with Brazil then because it was such a, a mind fuck, but <laughs> set in Christmas. And okay. you know what? I applaud. I applaud that ingenuity. So Ladies I'm going to go with Brazil. I think we just heard Eric say fuck for the first time on, on oh, the air. Oh, fuck. Did I say fuck? Fuck, 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 fuck. Earners and historians out there, please do not feel offended by this. He's still a good guy. It's okay. They're, if they're listening to nerds on film, they know what they're in for. They've heard worse. I'm kind of like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I kind of go back and forth between the different podcasts. <laughs> Dr. And Jekyll and Dr. Who. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. Um, my favorite un-Christmas movie? I'm going to have to go with Gremlins on this one. Good call. Brian? The Ref. Easily the ref. I've never seen the ref. Oh my god, we need to watch this. Actually, well, we kind of debated that the ref was actually an, not an un-Christmas movie. I believe it conveys the meaning of Christmas. Good point. Batman I will Returns. have to watch and provide argument. That's true. Batman Returns. I'm going to go with Die Hard. So yeah. guys, I'm going to pose a, uh, a recommendation to you. Recommendation. Sometime before Christmas, yeah. we get together. We go and we watch This is a Marathon of our favorite un-Christmas movies. Ooh, oh my god, I that's get... four movies. I agree. However, can we also include Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan? <laughs> Just because you guys have not seen it. The Wreath of Khan. <laughs> the Wreath of Khan. That was the greatest picture I've ever seen in my entire life. Khan! Thank you, George Takei. Thank you so much for giving that gift to the if world. If you guys haven't seen it, just go look it up. The Wreath of Khan. Google it. Amazing. Well, um, again, I'm going to pose the question back out to you listeners that if we have skipped over anything, please debunk us. Or if you feel like any of the movies that we named tonight 
are a hundred percent a Christmas movie, like Lauren Ashley and her uh, giving us a correction. Correct us. We want to hear it. We want to hear your feedback. Absolutely. We're not um, perfect. And you can then do such things by reaching us at Twitter, which is at Nerdonomy, or you can Facebook us on our Facebook page of Nerds on Film or Nerds on History. Just type us in the search engine here. Or if you want to personalize the email, fucking email us. You can reach me at David at Nerdonomy.com, I believe. Yeah, it's Nerdonomy.com. Brian? You can reach me at Brian with a Y, B-R-Y-A-N, at Nerdonomy.com. I'm Sarah at Nerdonomy.com. That's S-A-R-A-H. And I am the Brickmont, T-H-E-B-R-I-C-M-O-N-T at Nerdonomy.com. And you can also reach Brian and I at our uh, personal Twitters. I'm at David C. McGuire. I'm at Brian Moriarty. Sarah, you're still not on? Nothing's changed, guys. Gah! One day. Nothing's Maybe changed. Maybe 2013 will we'll Eric, do you want to be different. tweeted yeah, with this? Yeah, I am at the Brickmont. That's, again, T-O-T, <laughs> B-R-I-C-M-O-N-T, <laughs> Abersand before it. <laughs> I just, I, you know, I just don't feel like I have anything interesting to say for Twitter. That's bullshit. For, you do. You can have, you can find 140 characters of something to say. And I, I usually have a lot of really good Facebook status updates, but those, those are personal, so... Well, folks, um, I had a great time tonight. I did it per usual. I did as well. Per usual. I had a fantastic time. And thank you for inviting me along as always. Well, Eric, it's always a pleasure to have you on board with us. Um, And, folks, until next time, we will catch you guys later. Bye. Later. Adios. And roll credits. Credits.